Hey, what's up? This is Menle Golakai Agri. And this is Lauren Yoshiko, and you're listening to Broccoli Talk, a podcast for cannabis lovers. Hello, my friend. Hello, our friends. Hey. Hi. How's it going? It's been pretty good. How about you? What's going on? How have you been? I have been a busy bee. I actually got to go down to LA last weekend. I left my little Portland basement home base and (laughs) got to join Broccoli for the launch for the Offense collab for the cute hemp clothing collection of summer goodies. We got to see some old friends and put names to new faces. A special thank you to Christina from Fruit and Flower for the special welcome back to LA with special brownies. Um, This collection is super cute. If you haven't yet seen it, you can Shop it on Offend's website, and that's A-F-E-N-D-S. I actually had not been to L.A. in years, like, at all since legalization, and although that's, like, where I found my weed identity, so smoking weed in (laughs) California was not new, uh, doing it (laughs) post-legalization was, and it was super fun and lovely. And the party was in Chinatown, which I have never been to before. Oh, dope. Have you? I have only a couple times. I don't know LA that well, but I did love Chinatown. I feel like that's a very fitting spot for all of it. It's so cute. They've got those little like neon gates and like Portland's Chinatown, Japantown area has really faded over time and they just have not like retained a community there of Asian owned and operated businesses. And so it was just like, wow, what a notion to like Mm. eat Chinese food in Chinatown and go to fun. There's like a club called General Lee's that everybody was recommending afterwards. And um, it was just fun to see. And I highly recommend if people live in L.A. and haven't been for a while to go visit because you should appreciate it because I wish we had a Chinatown like that in Portland. Yes. Keep it alive. (laughs) What have you been up to? I have been grinding, y'all. I have been grinding for work and also grinding my teeth, it turns out, <laughs> oh my for God, a while. Same. Um, same. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's sad to say, I'm sad to admit it, but I have not been to the dentist in over six years. And so Oof. the past couple of weeks, I've been really investing in my mouth. Um, I always have been. I'm an avid flosser. I mean, you must be if you got through with six years and not serious (laughs) issues. You know what? I have to pat myself on the back because I floss daily and brush probably twice a day. It it was actually a really good experience. It wasn't scary. He did not shame me. He said my mouth was in good shape. (laughs) You're a dental care role model. I I commend thee. (laughs) Only now. (laughs) I'm very pro floss as well. It's like, okay, this is the corniest thing, but it's like something I've remembered since I was little. Do you remember that body swappy movie with Meg Ryan in the 90s? It was like Prelude to a Kiss. Oh, yes. Yes. I loved that movie. I used to watch it all the time, Lauren. Are you kidding me? And she swaps with the old man. I love the old man. Yo, when he's talking about like, I promise like, I'll I'll make my youth worthwhile. And one of the things he says when he's like, sort of like making his prayers to no one, he's like, I swear I'll floss every day. And like for that to be one of the things as a kid, I was like, damn, that's one of his lifelong regrets. Like, I'm going to floss every fucking day. (laughs) Like that movie instilled such dental value in me. (laughs) It turns out flossing is important. And, you know, even while sitting in the chair, I 
I was sure to tell him and also made sure that like I had some CBD, some CBGs, some any cannabinoid content in my system just to kind of help with the inflammation of your teeth in general when you're getting cleaning and checkup and filling. Sorry, y'all. I did have a cavity or two. This is feel better. But no, the grind has been real for Chula. And, you know, I'm definitely not somebody who believes in having to gr- literally grind your mind and body in order to succeed. Um, but there's just a lot of work, you know. There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of responsibilities. And I take them I take them freely. And I had to kind of take a break from social media and Instagram to do so. But that's that's sometimes what it takes. And so that's just been feeling really good and just very productive, but not in a sort of white supremacy theory, capitalistic mindset, but just like doing things with ease to completion. We're moving into harvest season. Like that is a time of activity in fall. I feel like culturally, right? We're like preparing for this change in seasons. And it is like a busy time, I think, because this is it. Like we've got so much sun left. We've got, so maybe it is even natural and like normal to get a a bit of a grind, a bit of a late summer grind on because that is maybe innate. Yeah. And speaking of work, speaking of weed work, I was able to speak with Studio Linear's founder, Andrea Bellew. First of all, Andrea's voice is extremely calming. She's so eloquent. Her demeanor even on the phone. Nice. A perfect podcast guest. Perfect podcast guest. Just so thoughtful. And I think it speaks volumes too when it comes to her background. And that combines both plants and media, studying architecture, botany, music composition. She just has like this depth and this really wide range. Um, And it really informs, I think, a lot about her ethics and the ethics and intentions behind Studio Linear when it comes to the design and maybe even just the entire world of of what they create for brands. And I think that 100% sort of translates into the consumer's experience. Okay. It makes sense, like, seeing their work as well, hearing there's all these different influences and experiences because it is, it is more savvy, I right. think, towards what weed brands are doing than some other even just like mainstream, like nice, like fancy ass mainstream creative agencies that are trying to to just like do their thing with weed and they don't really get it still. Right. And I think it also says a lot, too, about the idea of a creative who has been able to explore different areas of the world, right, and not just the cannabis space. And you kind of see that it 100 percent speaks for itself when Looking at their impressive client list from Seth Rogen's Houseplant, an instant cult classic, and, you know, to Puff Herbals. And I think just them being a female-owned creative agency sort of specializing in CBD branding just really is beautiful. They create logos and visuals, websites, compliant packaging, which is huge. And it was just really incredible to speak with them. Exciting. Well, I can't wait to listen and learn. Let's get it. Let's just dive right into it. Your background is in music and horticulture, which is amazing. It's incredible. I think for many, it might seem like a leap to gravitate towards cannabis design. But just to be annoying as a Gemini, I fully understand and respect that range, you know, especially in music and television and even one's career path. And so how do you make the switch from, I guess, this 
natural world of design and music into cannabis and, and how did they intersect? That's a great question. So, I mean, years ago, I went to college for landscape architecture, which really is like a fancy way of just saying I was designing with plants. And that's really where that spark of interest started to begin. You know, we would design these gorgeous landscapes. And then, you know, way back in college, it was actually done by hand, the sketches. And then we'd use the old school blueprint machines and scan them in and became magical, you know, digital art. And (laughs) That was the first time that I was sort of exposed to, you know, that intersect, I guess, between the natural world and design. And Mm -hmm. it was really intriguing to me. And as I went through college, I kind of dropped the plant side, I guess, of, of school and focused more on design, new media Um, and switched to music. And so, you know, it was sort of just dabbling in a lot of different creative buckets, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, but never losing the love for plant and horticulture. And years later, you know, introducing that into what we do now at Studio Lanier was just a perfect mix. So I have to ask, during your days as a landscape architect, did you and or do you still continue to grow cannabis ornamentally or for its fruits, for knowledge? Tell us. We want to know. Yeah, I mean, years ago when I was in school, it really wasn't legal. So we weren't growing it ornamentally. Uh, I mean, we were definitely growing it, but it was like in the woods, hidden behind some sunflowers and things like that. But It actually wasn't until later in life, my mom actually got her medical license and started growing in her garden. And, um, and it really took on sort of that ornamental beauty of the plant that I hadn't ever thought about, you know, my twenties and in college, it was like, let's just grow this (laughs) because you know, we can't afford to buy it. And then it'd be later in life, seeing it growing in my mom's garden, it was beautiful, you know, amongst like the vegetables um, and everything else that she grew in, you know, her backyard in Maine. So I personally haven't grown it since then, but, you know, take great pleasure in seeing what my mom is growing. I love that. I love that element of the matriarchy and this female plant segues kind of perfectly into how you grew up. Talk to me more about sort of living with a mother who's a textile designer, your father who is an architect in rural Maine, not far from Stephen King's home. What was that like? How did that, what were the sounds and smells and, and sights like? We always joke about, my sister and I always joke like, well, kids, you know, when we go on road trips, we felt like other kids had like fun, like I spy games, you know, like normal <laughs> ones where it's like, I spy that color. But with us, it was my dad always being like, I spy that architectural detail or <laughs> that facade. And we always thought it was so dorky, but now I'm so it's grateful yeah. that we grew up with that background. Um, it was always a part of our life. We were either camping, you know, one weekend up, you know, around Baxter and Katahdin in Maine, or we were at an art museum. Um, and my mom, yeah, she was a textile designer. She created her own fabrics, dyed them, was really into quilting. And we even got into sewing our own clothes. So it was just a love for everything that I could get my hands on creatively. And yeah, we grew up near Stephen King. I love Stephen King's book. And I don't know if it's just because I have a warped sense of who knows what, but, you know, growing up near him, I have a funny story. When we were little, I was probably five or six. This is back when you could actually walk up to his front steps, which you can't sadly do anymore. We were trick-or-treating 
and my sister was three and, you know, and we were walking up to the front step and there was this figure sitting on the porch, you know, in a black sort of cape. And my parents were like, go on, Andrea, go ahead and ring the bell. And all of a sudden the figure said, Andrea, do you want, it said something, it said my name, you know, it was so jarring at the age of five or six. Well, it was Stephen King. He was sitting there dressed up on the porch listening as kids came up listening for their names and he actually led us in the house to go trick-or-treating so I'll never forget that what a trip I mean it's interesting but it sounds like a really beautiful foundation right especially when you think of even landscape architecture music creative design when it comes to cannabis there are so many intersections there's there's so many sensorial things there and so I I find that highly fascinating I mean yeah we were given like complete creative control growing up, you know, anything we could dream up, you know, for painting our room for anything we really wanted to grow, you know, and I do remember my parents, I wanted to have a garden. And I remember them, my dad and I out there tilling and planting the garden and gardening is actually something that was passed down my grandfather, my dad, before he was an architect, actually also studied landscape architecture. So we were definitely given all the tools to do really anything in the design world and also in the plant world. And it's still a huge part of our life. You know, every Father's Day or uh, Mother's Day, we're always exchanging plants (laughs) and things like that. So it's definitely a part of who I am and sort of why it just felt so natural to shift, you Mm -hmm. know, in what we're doing with design to focus on designing for a plant, which is incredible. Yeah. You know, I I lived in rural Humboldt County, California for for quite a few years. And I think surprisingly, maybe to some, in a lot of ways, it's so similar to Maine with like that rocky coastal landscape and, you know, the epic coasts hugging the forests and mountains and learning how to grow weed for the first time and sort of like tapping into another side of the creative mind, I felt was very powerful and something that I just can never take for granted. And it really shaped, I think, who I am as a person. And I know now you live in sunny Florida, but I am curious, during the quiet time in life, and probably also now, do you think that gives you an inspiration different than the city? Do you prefer the city for inspiration? Just briefly talk to us about how kind of that, again, that natural world really translates into your creative world. Yeah, definitely. So my husband and I actually took sort of this leap of faith uh, last year and and, uh, we have two kids and we sold our house in Maine and actually renovated an RV and bought this plot of land up in northern Maine where I really think that the moose outnumber the humans up there. I mean, there's not much (laughs) happening up there and that's what we wanted. And we moved our kids in this RV and we bought (laughs) land by a lake And we spent last year up there living off grid, truly connecting with nature. And, you know, that experience of living in very remote Maine Mm -hmm. was very exciting, but challenging. I mean, we had to collect our own water. You know, we had solar. And it was a great moment for our kids to connect with nature. We didn't have any distractions like TV or anything. And a lot of our evenings were spent you know, making s'mores or just out fishing or collecting frogs. (laughs) And actually, this was last year when we made the hard pivot at Studio Linear to just focus on cannabis. And I really think 
it was that time spent out in nature where I didn't have any distractions. I really had just my thoughts and and actually limited internet. So work was, yeah. it was only so many gigabytes a month. So I had to be really like smart with how I was working. Mm-hmm. And we were taking on all these projects and these projects. And I started thinking, maybe we need to simplify. Maybe we need to shift who we're working with and focus on this industry that, you know, was bringing, you know, my family, you know, relief, you know, medically was something that we were introducing into our lives. Um mm-hmm. And it was that summer last year that we made the pivot to just work in cannabis. So definitely taking inspiration from rural Maine. Florida is quite the change. I wear a lot of sunscreen now. <laughs> um, it's quite an experience, but we, we wanted to give that to our kids <laughs> to just try different things as much as we can. The way you describe that setting just sounds so epic <laughs> and almost ideal, I think, for a lot of people who really want to do, you know, living um, off the grid with children, too. That's impressive. It's powerful. I could talk to you more about that for hours and hours, but I would love to dive back into, right, Studio Linear, because I think also you have an impressive client list. It ranges from Seth Rogen's brand, Houseplant, which for so many of us has kind of become this instant cult brand, to Puff Herbals, who is a pre-roll herbal brand really focused right on this like clinical herbalism. I think both are incredible companies in their own right, but I imagine that forces you to kind of use different types of approaches to the relationship, which I'm sure you also thought about. It's interesting because even with the larger companies like Houseplan or even more intimate companies like Puff Herbals, our approach is actually very similar. We still approach all projects with the same amount of energy, enthusiasm. You know, our team is gung-ho for any sort of project within the space. And so the approach, I guess, is a little bit different when you work with larger companies and that you obviously have a larger team that you are, I guess, reporting back to. But really, the relationships are still the same. Right. We still get nervous before every project, regardless of how big or small the client is, because we obviously, you know, it means so much to our client and to us. Yeah. What we put out is something that they love. So regardless of the size... Um, really the approaches are pretty similar. We might try and use a couple different, you know, apps or tools to help manage larger projects, but all in all, they're pretty similar, oddly enough. Have you been able to find uh, a pretty decent hack when it comes to compliance with, with packaging and branding? I think specifically when it comes to trying to explain to a, a potential customer like what this product does while you know, protecting consumers' rights and, and, and trying to steer away from false and harmful marketing schemes at the same time. Mm-hmm. How do we convey to the consumer, you know, usage and what this product is? Because right. this is, a you know, a new industry to a lot of people. And so, you know, the real estate on some of these little packages is quite small and, and to not <laughs> only have to put, you know, four paragraphs of regulations in a small little box or, you know, make sure the font size is 10 pixels or, you know, larger and this warning's here and this warning is there. We not only have to do that, but we really have to somehow convey what the product usage obviously is and gain that trust visually, you know, with design. And so 
there's a lot of tricky sort of elements that go into the packaging. And sometimes your space is, you know, a pre-roll container, you know, it's so hard sometimes, but I think that that's what we really like about the industry. Mm. Cannabis is, is tricky. And at the end of the day, because of that, when you nail it, it is that much more rewarding. You know, we really have to be ultra careful about not attracting children when it comes to design, even though a lot of us are very childlike in our in our lives and personalities. And I am curious, kind of how do you steer away from that, but also probably maintain like a playfulness that I think is very specific to cannabis and plant medicine? Yeah, definitely. I mean, because there are those restrictions on on what we can use, like, say, for illustration and icons, and it then forces us to look at different applications that Mm -hmm. we can tell a story, whether that's through developing, you know, different color blocking systems or developing Ah, um, patterns that might use a different type of style to it. You know, it's easier... Definitely much easier to design. Previously, we did food and beverage. I mean, you don't have those restrictions. We can really, the sky's the limit in a way. But when you get into the design trends now with cannabis, we're being asked to find something much more than just the product. And Mm -hmm. our clients are asking us to convey visually what they're about, that they're much more than just a product that there is, you know, a backstory to this brand. Have you seen any sort of trends kind of really showing up strongly in the the cannabis space? Definitely. So, I mean, I think we've seen an evolution here from the very sterile, minimalist, almost pharmaceutical style to what we were seeing. Right. Perhaps that was used as a way of building trust, you know, in mm-hmm. that in this product and in the very early, you know, stage, I'm thinking, you know, three, four years ago or so. And we're seeing a comeback of really fun retro um, of fonts like the 70s, 80s, which I grew up in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> and so obviously when we get to work on projects that nod back to that time, that nostalgic time, it's a lot of fun. But we're definitely seeing a shift into just having more fun. That part. And, and a shift that I'm glad to be seeing is moving away from early cannabis brands. It wasn't so much heavily dependent on how how great the product was it was more like this messaging being premium you know luxe brand and not much emphasis put on the actual product mm-hmm. in thinking that the consumer wasn't smart enough or wise enough to try this product and realize that it was right. you know shit weed <laughs> <And> so <laughs> for us we're glad to see a shift away from these companies pretending to be premium and Lux or the next the next Gucci and and really Ugh. being true and authentic, knowing that their consumer is expecting that. And I think that that is what we're loving in trends as we're seeing. We have clients who want to provide a product that is tested, that is amazing. And that's really the best part of it, that we get to test these products too. Yes, <laughs> we exactly. get to design in the industry and we get to test products, which is like a win-win, I think. <laughs> does feel very unique, you know, you talking about trying these things out um, and very different, I think, from kind of I have this older Ouija OG kind of 
background in herb and I started smoking at 14, which I'm sure as a mother, you're like, oh my gosh. And I even think that in retrospect, you know, as a 39 year old woman, I think it was very premature and maybe fraughtly introduced my brain into and my body into a very potent type of plant medicine. You know, however, I think your relationship is this very beautiful example of our modern times and how cannabis research has really allowed us to learn more about this very complex herb and plant. I mean, I agree with you. I'm always amazed at what we're learning. And, you know, I also smoked. I'm not, you know, <laughs> I, this isn't new to me. Back in high school, I definitely smoked. I was okay, good. <laughs> in several bands. Yeah. And so, you know, cannabis was something back then that would actually help relieve anxiety, like getting up on stage and performing it definitely helped with that. So I um, enjoyed lots of <laughs> different um, products back in college and in high school. But when I became a mom, THC started to hit a bit different. Yeah. It it started to trigger almost this anxiety that I never mm, had. You know, I mean, besides obviously getting on stage here and there to sing, but it was different. And um it was kind of scary. You know, I was like, oh my word, you know, I can't, my, my brain can't handle, you know, this like I thought. And later, you know, during the pandemic, my husband and I took time, you know, not only did we <laughs> try all kinds of new things like sell our house and move into an <laughs> RV, but we thought, why not just stop drinking too? I mean, let's yeah. just do all the things at yeah. once. So we, we stopped drinking alcohol together and started studying more about CBD, CBG as something that we could use for ourselves in helping us, you know, be better parents, yeah, more productive. I often struggle, you know, bouncing around and I don't like to put labels on things, but I think back in school, it was called ADD or ADHD. And yeah. I found that CBG oil really helped me focus in this energy that I had never known what to do with. It always been like a rapid fire of thoughts and changes. And when I started to use CBG oil, I was amazed at, you know, being able to focus for more than five right. minutes. Wow. Um, but not only that, I found with the CBD oil, it really helped my joints, you know, being a mom, picking my kids up and, <laughs> and just, you know, the rough and tumble life and, you know, the stress of just kind of being a parent, I found <laughs> CBD oil to really help with joint, with autoimmune. And so we, we started down this path of trying to find the best product for us. And, um, and that was all during the pandemic. And I, you know, I'm so grateful that that is, you know, the path that we've taken and was another big shift for us, you know, with Studio Linear last year and in, in giving up alcohol, we used to design for big alcohol companies. And mm. morally, it felt wrong to be designing, you know, wine packaging that's targeting women. And I really had to think it was a big, you know, the pandemic was, it was a big pivot point for right. everyone. And, it really forced me to rethink the path for myself, for my children, and for the business. And just seeing how the effects of, you know, alcohol and family members and mm -hmm. addiction and making that conscious shift to marketing and design, you know, from something that can potentially be toxic to designing for, you know, plant medicine that yes. we've seen such huge yeah. benefits. It is really something that was a driving factor, you know, in switching to working in the cannabis industry. And it was a really big shift for us, for sure, to say goodbye to 
some of these bigger companies that, you know, we were working with um, and to say hello to a bunch of new, you know, startups in this space, which is very exciting. I really do commend you. And I think there there is something to be said about that intention and hopefully can can continue to have like a ripple effect kind of going into my sentimental mode as well. <laughs> I I read once that it's it's really important to have photographs or even just one of yourself as a child kind of present in your daily life, whether it's on your refrigerator or your phone or even like an avatar on social media. And um, a lot of folks say that it kind of helps us to remember our inner child and really sort of low key in a low stake way work out like our behaviors as adults that stem from childhood experiences, maybe shadow work. I don't know how far we want to go, but I think in a way, right, our unconscious minds really can undress those needs. And the reason why I bring it up is because um, I recognize that on Studio Linear's website, And even other interviews I've read, you have all decided to use photographs of your younger selves and um, for your team and for yourself. And I I, want to know what the story is behind that. And does that stem from your epic childhood? Um, Do you sort of like to to go back to her? And yeah, what's that source of inspiration for your work? You know, when I look back at those photos, you know, when you remember when you were a kid and you were encouraged to truly dream up any profession. You know, I wanted to be an astronaut and I wanted to be a chef and a (laughs) firefighter. (laughs) I just wanted, you know, all these different ideas I had as a child. And we really could be free to dream up what we wanted to be. And I did have a wonderful, you know, upbringing. And I remember one time telling my parents, like, I wanted to be a rock star. And instead of my parents being like, hey, now, you know, let's step it down a bit. They instead (laughs) bought me the electric guitar, the lessons to learn how to sing or. And I think the reason why I love using the childhood photos is because in what we're doing for work, we're not losing that. We really aren't being told to grow up in a way we're being able to be free with what we always dreamt up that we wanted to do, which was to be designers, to be artists and creatives in the space. So seeing pictures of ourselves is a reminder of that that isn't lost, that we didn't have to, I guess, grow up (laughs) in a way. And we're, we're lucky enough to do this for a living. Oh, that is so good. How, how do your children sort of interplay within your creative mind and Going back to your childhood, it sounds like there was such a collaborative spirit between your parents and yourself. And I'm, I'm curious, as a parent, do you sort of sometimes do that? Are, are some of your best designs kind of inspired by your children? I'm not taking away any credit from you, but I, I am curious kind of how that interplays as well. I work from home. Um, I'm really lucky. You know, my kids are always oftentimes running around in the back of a Zoom call. (laughs) They can't help but morph, you know, some projects, whether we want them to or not. But sometimes I will see things, you know, that excitement in, you know, my son or my daughter's eyes about something that we've taken for granted for so long, or Mm -hmm. they'll see something that they're genuinely interested in that I have passed, you know, a million times and could care less, you know, and, and it forces me to stop for a moment and look at it again, you know, through the eyes of a five year old, or, you know, my son is 12, and to sort of put myself in his shoes and that sort of coming of age and, yeah, and to really look at, you know, those moments in time. And obviously, 
what they are involved in is a huge impact on who I am. And so it, it does translate into everything, whether, like I mentioned, we want it or not with them screaming in the background in a Zoom call or a big client meeting, they're always there. <laughs> I have to be honest, I love seeing children and pets sort of Zoom past. I think it's so real and I think it's allowed us to soften up as humans, you know, with each other, both in corporate and in small business spaces. And so I, I love that personally. And I think to lean into the next question, what kind of advice do you have as they kind of embark into a new career in the cannabis space? What I have found and valued so much is just the partnership. And, mm. you know, the cannabis community is like no other. Right. I think that if you're going to embark in a creative career in the cannabis space, there's a lot of C's there. Um, <laughs> you really have resources that might be in other industries more cutthroat in a way, but I've found in cannabis just reaching out and asking questions that people are much more open to actually listen to you and take time to reply. Building partnerships and networking within this space is like nothing I've ever seen in any other industries. Mm. And so just taking a minute and, you know, if, if there's a brand that you've seen or a business that you admire, just taking a moment to write to them because you never know when they might need, you know, a freelance photographer or right. copywriter. It's a very open space and I love it for that reason. So good. And where can we find you in, on the World Wide Web? Are there any exciting things coming up on the horizon that you'd like to share sort of to close out? Yeah, I think, you know, what we're looking, you know, when I look ahead to the future, <laughs> you know, and where we want to go with the business is I um, just read like twice the Mushroom People, the magazine. And oh, yes, I've really, really enjoyed that psychedelic, the mushroom industry and really want to start to tap into that. Um, I think it is almost an extension of the plant medicine in a way. So I'm excited to see what's happening in that industry. And then we're looking to do some collaborations with some Ooh. products out there and designing, starting to design yes. products, which is something I've never done, but always wanted to. So I'm really, really excited for what we have um, on the horizon here at Studio Lanier. This has really been such such a rich conversation. Thank you so much for speaking with us today and sharing your knowledge. And we wish you all the best. Oh, thank you. I mean, this has been amazing. This episode was edited by Jay Nathan. Our music is by Giselle Garcia. And our logo design is by Jennifer Wright. Learn more about Broccoli and subscribe to the magazine at broccolimag.com. Thank you for listening.